Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic, overseeing our toxic phase one and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Rizal Johan, Vice Chairman of the Department of Plastic Surgery. He's here today to talk to us about oncoplastic surgery. Welcome, Riesel. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Shepard. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. So maybe to start out, you can give us a little background. What, what's your role here at Cleveland Clinic? Great. Thank you. My name is Riesel John. As mentioned, I'm a plastic surgeon at Cleveland Clinic. Uh, I've been working here at Cleveland Clinic uh, for 17 years. Uh, my practice is heavily involved uh, in reconstructive breast surgery working cohesively and coherently with our surgical oncologists that is specialized in breast cancer. So uh, when patients are being treated for the breast cancer, uh, we are approaching it with multidisciplinary approach. A, patient's, a new patient with breast cancer will have multidisciplinary visits with each uh, of specialties and therefore we'll see the plastic surgeons along with the breast surgeons. And we discuss regarding the options, what is the best possible options in treating their breast cancer along with potential reconstructions of the breast in putting it back together and making sure that patients are comfortable for the future outcome for aesthetic result as well as potential what we call it functional result. Perfect. So. We have a, a variety of people that may be listening in. So maybe just to define terms, what do you what is meant by oncoplastic surgery? So oncoplastic surgery, it is meaning that we are treating the breast uh, cancer oncologically safe, but in the meantime, putting plastic surgical reconstructions to rebuilding the breast so that we can remove what is necessary to remove the cancer and then rebuilding it in a way that we can restructure the breast to be um, hopefully normal again. So typically, uh, if you ask what is the candidates, who are the candidates, what type of patients who are a candidate for this? Typically, patients who have larger breasts. The terminology on all of these patients usually have, they call it macromastia. And some of these patients who are having larger breasts they even present to us typically what they call it symptomatic macromastia because with the larger breast, they have shoulder grooving, neck pain, shoulder pain, and has been a burden to carry a larger breast. So one of the occasions, we find out they have a lesion in the breast. So therefore, a portion of the breast uh, can be removed along with the breast reductions. And then therefore, we can reduce the breast at the area that is affected by the tumor. And at the same time, we can actually treat the other breast that normally we reduce anyway and become uh, relatively symmetrical. And so therefore patients will have a treatment of breast cancer as well as a breast reduction. And so it, it's, it sounds like from what you've just told us that some of these patients actually are perhaps not aware that they have a small cancer when they initially present to you, how, how, how often does this happen? So it is, it is not often, but is usually it's the other way around. Some of these patients who usually having routine mammogram 
And then with the routine uh, mammogram visits, they figure out, hey, you have a dense breast or you have a potential lesions. And then they do biopsies and then the biopsy, oh, you have a cancer. And then during the discussion, oh yeah, I've been having a thought about reduction, the breast reductions. And, uh, and therefore then we'll continue to have a discussions. We can treat your cancer uh, with removal of the tumor and the reductions. So one other pertinent information that is useful to know, usually the breast cancer has to be unifocal. It's a focal lesion. So if a breast cancer has multiple different multifocality all over different parts of the breast, then there will be a different type of treatment that will be mastectomy. Therefore, we have a multidisciplinary approach. We'll discuss with the oncologic breast surgeon uh, making sure that we can treat effectively, making sure that the breast is localized in one area, that we can remove the cancers and reduce the same time. Is there sort of a ratio of size of tumor to size of breast that is ideal for this kind of procedure? That is excellent question. Usually up to 20% of the volume of the breast. So we remove the area of the cancer and the surrounding area so that we can have a clean margin so we have oncologically safe margins to make sure there is no potential surrounding tissue that is spread. And then we remove that up to 20%. The remainder of the breast, which is about 80%, can make it up, rearrange the breast, and, and becoming aesthetically pleasing again. And hopefully, I mentioned before about functional. One of the function of the breast is that you want to maintain sensory. So making sure that the area of the tumor not compromising where the area of the nerve and the blood supply to the nipple. So we want to compromise the functionality of the breast. Realizing on the medical oncology side that breast cancers have a lot of difference in terms of likelihood for recurrence and things like that. Are there any histologies that are more or less likely to be amenable to this procedure? So a triple negative breast cancer that might be more likely to spread are we doing those procedures in, in those patients as well? or Typically, uh, as mentioned before, unifocal and as well as the biologic of the tumor, they will determine that and definitely that, therefore, uh, in uh, subspecial like you are uh, medical oncology and the surgical oncology and even the radiation oncology, because any of these patients, after the treatment of oncoplasty, it is for sure they have to have radiation. So all of those things, we come together and discuss, and maybe even the tumor board, making sure that it's oncologically safe for the patients. So definitely, uh, you are correct. Certainly, we, we discuss regarding the type of the cancers, which one that will be suitable for this treatment. And when we think about uh, just logistics, you, you mentioned people come to clinic and they see a variety of special specialists. In terms of the surgery itself, this happens at the same time as the removal of the tumor. This isn't a stage procedure. This is all at one time. Is that correct? Usually it's one time. The only uh, time that we do it stage is when we think that, hey, uh, maybe best to do the other side, the normal side at a different stage. Because sometimes when we have to remove the breast, we mentioned up to 20%. And then after that, we need to have radiations. The effect of radiation, sometimes it may further shrink the volume of the breast. And then when we do the reduction at the same time, we usually estimate 
the contralateral normal sites to estimated size, but we don't know where how much of the shrinkage from radiation will happen. Some patients actually prefer to have the contralateral site done at the different time. But typically, yes, you're correct. We do it at the same time to provide easy uh, scheduling as well as easy for the patient for symmetry. But some other patients, they have the choice of having it done at the same time or separately. And how about outcomes? I, I presume that outcomes are equivalent. Yeah, so the outcome has been great. Uh, in fact, because when our removal of the tumor and sometimes when you just close it up by itself, you don't actually mobilize the surrounding tissue to, to take over the area of the vacancy. If you have a, a, a large vacancy, then you can have potential seroma. And after radiation, it can get a sunken appearance. So by relocating the surrounding breast to take over the void area, that means we are uh, avoiding potential of a divot in the future. If we do comparative studies, uh, certainly we haven't done it yet. We want to do it for the future. Yes, the outcome usually it's much, much better. What are the advances at this point? What, what's being worked on to improve the, the technique? Where are we? Uh, currently, the future stagings of this kind of surgery is to have what we call it margin assessment. As mentioned before, we look at during the surgery, we assess the tumor margins with, uh, they call it uh, frozen sections. But who knows, there is actually recent development that we can utilize special goggles that we can have a staining that we can see during the surgery precisely the margins. So it's called, uh, they call it a tumor marker margins, uh, so uh, a visual guided surgery. So we, we, we maybe created some kind of protein uh, that has certain antibodies that latch to the tumor, and then we uh, inject it, infiltrate it, and then you can use special goggles that will actually give a special fluorescent guided uh, removal of the tumor. That is excellent. That's the way for the future. Uh, we are excited to, to wait for that availability. Impressive. Now, these sort of procedures, are these routinely done in the community or are these mostly at centers that have more infrastructure? So definitely you need to have collaboration between uh, the uh, oncologic surgeon and the plastic surgeon and uh, available at the same place. We can actually uh, use this uh, procedure even in the ASC. These patients sometimes can be as outpatient surgery, yeah, can be going home same time. So really, it's uh, it certainly doesn't add any uh, any real time to the patient's uh, time in a hospital after surgery or things like that. So, that's correct. Oh, that's great. What uh, what else is new from a surgical standpoint? So certainly the margins that seems like a, a really important thing. Is there yeah. anything else being done in terms of? Um, is there anything with 3D modeling or sort of, you, you mentioned about predicting the size and things like that? Exactly. We are currently uh, working on the 3D modeling. And in fact, uh, a lot of times we do a 3D print. We are trying to see if we can do the 3D print so that we can even making strategic uh, planning. Where is the area of the tumor being removed? How much potential margin needs to be removed? Where are the area of the remainder of breast tissue need to be mobilized so that we can move into, into the area of that breast? It's impressive. And, and that helps with 
the planning of the surgery for the uh, removal of the, the tissue from the breast that's affected by cancer, are you mm -hmm. also doing modeling to try to predict? You mentioned before about, you know, after radiation, you may have changes. Are you able to do modeling to, to make yeah. those changes as well? Yes. In fact, uh, the incision planning, where can we make the incision? Where can we make the incisions is not only uh, aesthetically pleasing, but also oncologic safety, making sure that we provide access for the breast surgeons, for the oncologic surgeon, to really making sure that if tumor is close to the skin, we have to include the area of the skin to be removed within the incision where we can relocate the breast. And so you mentioned before, where oftentimes you're taking out a tumor, you're doing a breast reduction. If, if, a, if a patient has a local recurrence, is this something that can be done a second time? Can you, uh, can you go back and kind of repeat the same procedure, assuming you have enough breast tissue? Very good question. So quite difficult to go back if it is a small area. So during the surgery, we provide clips. We put the clips where the area are being removed the area of the margins. But however, after relocations of the tumor, uh, sometimes it may be difficult to determine, okay, is it safe to assume that was the area of the positive margins? Then usually if it is positive, then we may need to convert into mastectomy. But however, the clips are very helpful for the radiation treatment. As mentioned before, that these patients after the lumpectomy, and they concentrate the radiation where the area of the clips. You know, certainly you never really know what you get into until you're there. How well can we predict the ability to do these procedures? So it's uh, the accuracy of the plan within surgery usually is about 95% accuracy that we can do it because with the technology of MRI as well as multidisciplinary discussions has been really, really great. This has been really effective. So when we think about um, we think about patients, we talked about size, we talked about histology. Are there any other factors? It sounds like this doesn't really change the underlying you know procedure. Doesn't lengthen procedure, for instance, to any appreciable extent. Are there any patient factors or, that would say no? This patient not a good candidate. So if someone's listening and they're thinking, well, maybe we'll we'll send them and see what, uh, what kind of assessment we can have. Uh, anybody that might be a bad idea to send? Well, no, number one is making sure that, uh, again, oncologically safe, that uh, not a multifocal, it's unifocal. And number two is making sure patients are healthy enough to undergo a surgery. The surgery typically takes about three to four hours surgery and making sure that they're uh, within the safety conditions that undergo at about three to four hours surgery. But again, three or two, four-hour surgery, they can be outpatient surgery. We do uh, provide block, regional block. I in, in, infiltrated the area of surgical site with uh, numbing medications that will last uh, for about one to two days, usually up to 72 hours of feeling comfortable. So by doing so, we can minimize the utilization of opioids to reduce pot potential uh, consumptions of unnecessary opioids after the surgery. That's great. So it sounds like this is uh, certainly something that can have a huge impact on patients with the, uh, the right characteristics. So I appreciate your insights. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. 
You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash canceradvancespodcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our Consult QD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org slash cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.